this week's parish is called Vo'era. We're going to call tonight's talk the law of attraction and Mashiach. Why? Because what's happening in the Torah this week, which is really going to hopefully going to be happening in the world, is the time to leave Egypt, getting out of Egypt. We're going to see Egypt's not just a country, it's your own place of, of pain and affliction and stress and dire straits and challenges. And we're going to learn tonight how to leave and leave specifically via the law of attraction. Because people don't realize the law of attraction is a Kabbalistic concept, it's a Torah concept. It's not just some modern day fad, you know, really, really call it emunah. We call it true faith. Faith is not merely reacting to events. It's not saying, oh, I've got faith. What's up, David? Nice to see you, right? It's, it's not merely reacting to events. Faith is actually bringing events. It's creating events. In short, the Arizal explains that Judaism does the law of attraction, meaning that when Hashem made us, He made us co-creators. So even to start off with, when He's finding a wife for Adam, He says, Adam, let's go to sleep so you can dream up your wife. What is going to be your law of attraction? How would you like your wife to be? And you dream her up, and those dreams can become reality. And all the way through the Torah, we see that. We see that with Noah, that he didn't want to know for sure that the flood was coming because then if he would know it for sure it would have to come and he didn't want it to come and all the way through the Torah we see the power of faith and the power of belief creates reality as the Zohar B'Shemin Bayochai writes that the higher worlds replicate the lower worlds meaning Hashem almost mirrors us so if you want positivity in your life then as the Rebbe used to say Think good and it will be good. Think good, think good, think good, think good, think good. And then good things are coming. Or as we say in Tehillim, Hashem Hashem is your shadow. And then he'll help you by your right hand. Meaning, he's your mirror. He's your shadow. If you want love and compassion, so you be loving and compassionate. And then the universe, Hashem is going to bring back love and compassion in your reality. You're full of inner conflict and then a turmoil. So then you're going to create around you conflict and turmoil. You're full of inner peace, inner love. Then around you will be peace and love. And I'll even give you like a, a crazy modern day example. We're going to learn a few, a few famous ancient examples of, of the law of attraction, but just something that happened a few years ago, Rabbi Biederman writes, a friend of his, he's a great rabbi living in, in Jerusalem, in Meir Sharim, and his daughter gets married. Sorry, should I say his daughter's meant to get married? He's preparing a, a wedding for his daughter, but this rabbi is very holy. He's really learning Torah all day, teaching Torah all day. He needs to, the wedding costs around $25,000. He's booking everything, booking everything, and his family are like, Daddy, like, how are you going to pay? How are you going to pay? How are you going to pay for that? You haven't got $25,000. And his, his father, their father looked at him and goes, My daughter's getting married. It's a mitzvah to get married. We're going to do a humble wedding. What she needs. Hashem will bring us 100%. I don't know how, but Hashem will bring it to us for sure. And, and what's up, Esther? And, and the 
family thought he'd gone a bit bonkers. Like, what do you mean? Hashem's just going to bring you the money. What, it's just going to come through the roof? But he was a great mystic, this rabbi, and, and he had total devotion and total belief that somehow he was going to, $25,000 was going to kind of walk in their door. It was kind of impossible, if you think about it. Like, we shouldn't really do that at home. But he did that. And everything was going ahead. And it was the night before the wedding. It was the night before the wedding. And they don't know how they're going to be paying for this $25,000 wedding. And in walks one of his neighbours. And his neighbour has said, the following to him, he says, I am looking to, um, to buy certain unique sfarim, unique books. And I know you've got lots of books. And you've got, I saw in your house a few weeks ago, a very special edition of a great sefer written by hand, written by a great Kabbalist of 200 years ago. And he goes, can I go and check out how much that would cost for you? And he looked at him and said, you know what? The father looked and said, you know what? For sure. And he goes, you can gain of kind of, of the profit, what it is. You know, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you 20% as finder's fees. And he went and he did some research. And amazingly, exactly that is, he was going to get $30,000 for that safer. He managed to raise $30,000. Someone wanted to buy it for $30,000. And he took five of it. And the father had $25,000 exactly, which then paid for the wedding. So a true law of attraction story. And smaller things have happened to me. The, the year before I, I went to Tel Aviv on the Rosh Hashanah in my house. I, I went and, and someone there said to me, Rabbi, I think you'd be really good in Tel Aviv. And I said to my family, you're absolutely right. Of all the places in the world that I think rabbis are needed, there's not many rabbis in Tel Aviv and there's loads of Jews. Hashem, if you want me to go to Tel Aviv, I'm there. And then out of the blue, a few months later, Shion Rosh Kodesh Kislev, the great cabinet, said to me, Rabbi Hill, why don't you come to Tel Aviv? Again, again, and I would say the, the Rosh Hashanah before I got married, I was young, I was 21. I said, Hashem, I'm ready to get married, Hashem. I'm, as soon as you're ready, I'm there. And again, out of the blue, a few weeks later, literally, it was um, before, before, day after Yom Kippur, a date was suggested and I went out the night after Yom Kippur and I was already engaged, thank God, two weeks after Sukkot. And if Imogen is there, she knows, by, she knows my wife very well, so she knows how blessed I got. So what I'm saying is the law of attraction absolutely works. I'm going to explain to you there's four very important phases of the law of attraction, which can be learnt out from this week's Torah section. So, so let's get to that. But again, it's another chance. Um, you can see Karen's there. I, I said at the beginning, a huge thank you to you. And, and if you rewind, you'll see the blessing for Cyril, Chana, Bas, Friedel, Esther, that Hashem should bless you with all with all what that you need and all that you want and you should have a very successful and your wedding should be Bashar. Tovah Mutzlachas and your Aliyah should be tremendous. Please God, rewind and you hear even a longer blessing. Anyway, let's go stick to it. Maharal of Prague explains that when the Jewish people were in Egypt, that's not a one-time only event. Not a one-time only event. It's a microcosm, it's a prototype, it's a DNA of the fact that Jewish people throughout the ages are gonna to have to come in and out, not of physical Egypt, but of spiritual Egypt. What's up, Amy, nice to see you. 
out, out of spiritual Egypt. What does that mean? Egypt in Kabbalah, Mitzrayim means Mitzaryam. Their imprisonment and the limitation of, of the spiritual level, of the 50th spiritual level of the soul. And that's why Egypt wasn't merely a physical slavery. It was a spiritual slavery. And we unfortunately, tragically, descended to the 49th lowest level. It was nearly all over for us, nearly all over. So therefore, any time in our life, when you start descending down the spiritual ladder, when you feel down, when you feel depressed, when you feel anxious, when you feel stressed, when you feel in danger, when you feel that things aren't flowing the way you need it to flow, you're in Egypt. I've got news for you. The world is in Egypt right now. We're now in a very tough time. The pandemic is mamash, the Mitzrayim for the world. And Hashem is trying to tell us something. And please God, by the end of tonight, we will try and have a few clues what he's trying to teach us. So we're all in Egypt. And therefore tonight, what I'd like to do is help you in three ways. Number one, how can we get out of the pandemic through the law of attraction? One. Two, how can you, my dear friends, get out of your own personal Egypt? If you're really struggling financially, how can you go out of that struggle? If you're struggling relationship-wise and you're looking to, to find your soulmate, how can you get to that? If God forbid you're in a very abusive, tough, awful, painful Egyptian per se relationship, how to get out of that? If God forbid there's health issues, how to get out of that via the law of attraction? And critically, and more important, how can we bring the ultimate peace and happiness and love and solution to the world, which really is going to be Mashiach? And really, that's the easiest way to, if you want to pray for all your problems, just pray. For Mashiach, if Mashiach would come right now, as we're going to learn soon, there'll be no more coronavirus, there'll be no more poverty, there'll be no more illness, there'll be no more conflict, there'll be peace straight away, unity straight away, revelation of the divine straight away. So how can we bring Mashiach, how can we get out of the pandemic, and how can we help you get out of Egypt via the law of attraction? So there's going to be four steps. Let's start with step one. Step one is a Torah we learned last week. So let's just quickly recap. I'm not going to go into it too much if you want a more lengthy, lengthy explanation of step one, rewind to last week on, on Shemot. And that really explains it much more in detail. Go to our YouTube. By the way, if anybody hasn't subscribed to our YouTube channel, go there because if you don't catch it live, we always try and put it on the next morning. The great Carla's there. She helps, but she puts it on YouTube the next morning. So go to our J Network 613 YouTube account and subscribe there. And we learned last week the following. This is step one of how to get out of Egypt and how we got out of Egypt in the past and how, please God, you can get out your own personal Egypt. And it's very, very simple. For the first nearly 210 years when we were in slavery in Egypt, the problem was, my dear friends, we kind of were happy to be there. We thought that's all there was. We were stuck in slavery and didn't even fathom or posit that we could get out. How many of you in situations now, which maybe you dislike, but you've almost surrendered your being to that situation? Maybe you're in a really horrible relationship, but you think, mm, rather that than nothing. Or you're in a rubbish job, but you're thinking, oh, rather that than nothing. Or you're in a awful predicament, but you've created labels for yourself and you think, oh, this is just 
you know, this is me, this is my life, this is it. This is it. God forbid. Use the law of attraction. Use emuna to get yourself out of the situation. And step one is very simple. Do you want to get out? Do you want to get out of Egypt? That you say, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't need to be here anymore. I'm done with this. I'm ready for the next phase. I'm ready for out of Egypt. If you say, I am ready for out of Egypt, that's step one. And the Jewish people did it in last week in Shemot, where we started crying out to Hashem. And we grumbled and we said, I don't want to be here anymore. Mm -mm. I'm done. I'm done with it. Not staying in Egypt anymore. God, take us out. Hashem said, finally, Mazel Tov, I've been waiting 210 years to hear you say that. Say that, let's do it. Yalla, straight away and bang. A few months later, we're out. We're out. Doesn't take Moshe Rabbeinu long. Once he's given the mission to take us out, bang, bang, bang. Ten plagues come super quickly, one after the other. Before you know it, it's the 15th of Nisan and we're out of there. Yeshua, Hashem, Keref, I am the salvation of Hashem. It's like the wink of the eye, but you've got to want to leave. My dear friends, 80% of the Jewish people didn't leave Egypt. The mystics say, why? Because they didn't want to. They wanted to stay a slave in Egypt. So they stayed in Egypt and they died in Egypt. They died a slave in Egypt and they never got to see Israel and they never got to have the Ten Commandments and they never got liberty and they were never redeemed because they didn't want to be redeemed. Don't you be one of them. Don't you make that mistake of saying, oh, you know, this is all I know, rather the kind of rubbish life I have than something scary, which I don't know. Never, ever say that. You could achieve the impossible. You could achieve positivity. You could achieve blessing. Of course we can. That's what Hashem wants us to do, but he wants us to work through the steps. And step one of leaving Egypt is praying and crying and saying, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm done with it. So that's what we learned last week. Don't really want to go, go into it too much more now. As I said, if you want to hear more, go back to it. That's fine. But this week, we're really going to be focused on step two. Step two is what happens in this week's Sedra of Va'ira. So if anyone's got a Chumash there, you can look up the first few verses with me. It's chapter six in, in Exodus. Let's look up together. It says the following. God spoke to Moshe. And he said to him, Ani Hashem. I am God. So what do you got this verse which talks about Elohim and then and then Yudke Vovke, which we're gonna explain. And then the next verse says, I appeared to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, Bekel Shakai, it's another name of God, which we have to explain in a minute. But Shmi Hashem, Yudke Vovke, Lainodati Lehem. I didn't reveal that to them. So here we go. Let's explain the principles. There's different names of God representing different ways he relates to us. The classic one is Elohim. Elohim, as it says in the beginning of the Torah, Bereshit bar Elohim, God created the world. That's the creator, the creator of the universe. And it says when Hashem uses the term Elohim, he's working within nature. He's working within his universe. He's working within restriction and constriction. Elohim is very much justice. It's very much nature. In fact, the, the, the numerical value of Elohim is 86. And the Maharal points out the numerical value of Ha-Teva. Nature is also 86. 86 is kind of the, the, the number for nature, the number for Elohim. 
In mysticism, it represents the sun. It represents the natural, the natural order. God's relating to us via the natural order. Up until Exodus, Hashem hadn't kind of come out. He hadn't had his coming out day and saying, hey guys, I can do way more than just nature. I can do super nature, right? I can do miracles. I can do the impossible. He hasn't done that to the world yet. He hasn't literally revealed the Yudke Vovke to the world. Says the Baal Shem Tov, are you ready for step two? If you want to come out of Egypt, step one is you have to want to come out. Step two is you have to believe you will. You have to believe you will. And the mystical way to do that is via believing in the Yud and the He and the Vov and the He. Those letters of Hashem represents Hayah, Chover, V'yiyeh, which is past, present, and future, which means God is not constrained by nature, God forbid. You know, they ask, if God created, you know, creation, who created God? And the answer is no one needs to create God because God, God isn't bound by, create, by creation. He's not bound by the universe. He's way above that. He's infinite. Hashem's infinite. Past, present, and future. So the way to receive the infinite in your life, the way to receive miracles in your life is first and foremost to believe in the miracle. How many of my dear friends have said to me, Rabbi Hill, ugh, can't happen. Ugh, impossible. You know, God's not going to do this for me. Let's say some of you who are really stuck financially, they say, ugh, it's never going to happen. God forbid, see the letters Yud in the hay and the Vav in the hay relate to the Yud in the hay and the Vav in the hay relate to Hashem isn't constrained by nature. If Hashem can take three million Jews out of slavery into Israel with 10 plagues and splitting in the Red Sea and giving us the Ten Commandments, he can get you a job. He can make you successful. He can even get you an apartment in Tel Aviv. If any of you is saying to me, and many of you have, Robert Hill, you know, God obviously can't get me married. You know, impossible. It hasn't happened yet in my time of my life. So obviously it's not going to happen. God forbid. Number one is you've got to say, I don't want to be single anymore. I want to be married. That's step one. Step two is to say, I believe you, God, that I know you can get me married. Yet it hasn't happened yet. And yes, maybe intuitively during Corona, during a pandemic, or in today's crazy world where no one's committing, you could argue, you could make a, oh, it's impossible. God forbid. Hashem can do anything, everything. And the easiest thing is to get you married. That's easy. That's, that's, that's not even, with the blink of an eye, it's not even trying that. But you have to believe it. You have to believe it. That's the Yud and the He and the Vav and the He. You know, the, the, the mystics say something beautiful. It says that, King Solomon writes, there's nothing new under the sun. En chadash, tachas hashamesh. You all know that line? What I didn't realize when I learned this week is the Zohar writes, the Rishimah Yochai writes, under the sun there's nothing new, but under the moon, whoa, lots of things are new. What does that mean mystically? Because the sun denotes nature, denotes a certain system of doing things, a system that doesn't really change. A system that stays the same. That's why many idolaters in the past used to worship the sun. You know, the, the sun, because they used to worship nature in and of itself. As soon as we came out of Egypt, you know what our very first 
mitzvah that God said you've got to command the Jewish people to do. Mitzvah number one was Kiddush HaChodesh. Go to the moon and make a blessing and know that you, the Jewish people, are connected to the moon. Why? Because the moon, it waxes and wanes. You know, the beginning of the month is tiny and then, there's, then the month gets larger. Then the moon gets larger and larger by the middle of the month. The, the moon's at its largest and then it starts waning again. And that's the story of the Jewish people. We're going into Egypt, into a place of where we're going smaller, in, 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 into constriction, into, I'll get back to you in a minute, into Ariella, into um, limitation. And then Hashem takes you out. And by the way, if you ask me, why does Hashem do that? Why have you been put into Egypt? Because we're here to grow and we're here to learn. And the way the mystics explain it, when you plant a, a seed in the ground, initially that seed starts decomposing and disintegrating and gets to a place of almost total dissipation. There's nothing less than the tiniest, tiniest kernel. And then start, things start blossoming and growing again from that. Right? And, and the mystics explain that what happens to us when we start disintegrating and, dis- you know, and, and fragmenting. It's the ego that starts fragmenting. We start surrendering and we start fragmenting the ego and, and dissipating our ego to the extent where then there's nothing left, where we're in a place of total humility, almost helplessness. And then we say, Hashem, now you, I, only you can help me. And then when you start growing, it comes from an infinite spark. And then the infinity starts coming up. And that's really what the moon is meant to represent, the notion of not constrained by the normal. And that's why the Jewish people, we follow the lunar calendar, not the solar calendar. Ariel is asked, but can Hashem say no to our request to get married? So again, that's your Yetzirah talking. Your Yetzirah is trying to stop your belief. Your Yetzirah is saying to yourself, trying this rational, the cynical, rational voice, because Yetzirah doesn't want you to get married. Yetzirah wants you to stay single. So you say, ah, maybe maybe he's going to say no. So you know what? In 120 years, if he says no, then you can go and have a chat with him. But right now it says in the Torah, Hashem says, I want you to get married. It's not good to be alone. I want you to have children. So now you do whatever Hashem says. That's what Hashem wants. That's what Hashem wants. And Hashem wants you to go through the Egypt that you've been through, the, the, the pain, the loneliness, and then to believe in Hashem. And when you, hopefully through tonight, you're going to learn these four amazing steps. If you go through these four steps, watch and wait and and and. I really look forward to coming to your wedding super soon. I can visualize it. I just now need you to. So, but that's the point of the law of attraction. The law of attraction is we have self-fulfilling prophecies. So people who are very pessimistic, in the end, normally leads a very negative, neurotic, anxious life. Someone who's very positive, is very optimistic, how many times does incredible blessings happen to them? Because they're expecting it. That is the um, total partnership we are having with Hashem. So again, what the Baal Shem Tov saying from this week is you've got to believe in the Yud and the Hey and the Vav and the Hey. And by the way, the numerical value of that is 26. So just say, I believe in 26. Or if you want 26, what's called the Mispar Katan in Gematria, two plus six is eight, which is again, the number of infinity, right? So the Mispar Katan of Yud and the Hey and the Vav and the Hey is eight because that's transcendence. It's not seven. Seven is nature. Seven is the sun or such. Seven is Elohim in a sense. Right, but eight is Yudke Vovke. And that's why we have Brit Mila at eight days old. That's why Hanukkah, miracles denote eight days. So if you want a miracle in your life, if you want to leave Egypt, if you want the pandemic to end right now, if you want Mashiach to come immediately, you have to believe in the Yudke Vovke. And that's what King David said 
when he wrote in Tehillim, one of my most beautiful Tehillim, in number 16, Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Tamid. You should set the Yudke Vovke, Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Tamid, should be constantly, King David says, in front of my eyes. In front of my eyes, I just want to see the whole time. The whole time I want to see the Yudke Vovke. Just want to see that there. See the Yudke Vovke there. Why? Because then, Kimimine Belamut. Then Hashem says, now I can help you. You're letting me help you. You're letting me help you. And the Vilna Gon says, the more you're Shavisi Hashem, the more you believe in the miracle, then the more miracles happen to you. The more you're optimistic, the more positive things are going to happen. The more you see the Yudke Vovke, I'll be honest, a few months ago, I really said, okay, I'm going to work on Yudke Vovke. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to work on it. And I literally opened up my eyes and right in front of me, I was in the corner of the synagogue. I never noticed it before. It literally had this line, Shivisi Hashem the Negdi Tamid. So if you start really doing that, of saying Shivisi Hashem to yourself, I want to see the Yudke Vovke in front of my eyes. Everywhere you go, you'll actually start seeing it. You'll actually start seeing it. So it, it will be awesome. And I, I highly recommend, highly recommend you do that. And maybe the other, so said the classic law of attraction verse from Tehillim, is from, from 121, Tehillim 121, where Hashem says, Tovet HaMelech says, Hashem Tzilcha, Hashem is your sad shadow, and then Al Yad He'll be by your right hand once again. If you want to bring Hashem in your life, if you want to bring the positivity, if you want to get under the chuppas to say, Hashem, here you go, it's over to you. And by the way, one of the ways to know if you're achieving step two is if you're stressed. Because if you're stressed and you're worrying, then essentially you haven't given it over. Because let's say you're at work and you've got a project manager and someone else is doing that role, then you're not stressed about it because it's their job. So, so what Rabbi Dessler writes is, anytime you're worried and you're nervous, you haven't given it over to Hashem yet. So it's really critical to do that. You know, and on the Mashiach front, it's the same idea. If you really want Mashiach, let's say you really want Mashiach. Do we really want a third beautiful Beis Amikdash and peace in the world and serenity in the world? And, and God's revelation in the world. Do we want that? If you want that, one of the questions we get asked in the next world was, is going to be, Sipisoli Yeshua. So we normally translate that as, did you anticipate salvation? Did you anticipate Mashiach? But actually, the way that Ariza writes, Sipisa doesn't just mean to anticipate. It means from the word Litzapot, like the, from the city Tzfat, which means, did you see the Yeshua? Did you visualize? In other words, real believing is actually even seeing. And therefore I would add to step two, it's believing and seeing. It's foreseeing. It's, it's knowing. It doesn't always mean um, opposite, Ariella. So should we see Hashem? So you're kind of opposite Hashem, like Hashem is your shadow. It's the same idea of, of the mirror. Hashem's there, you're here. So we're opposite each other. We're relating to each other. So the more... If you want Elohim in your life only, you just want Hashem to only work with you through nature, Hashem's like, hey, I'm stuck. But if you say, Hashem, Yudke Vavke, go, go for it. You're not constrained by the present. You're in the past and in the future. Adon, Olam, Asher, Malach. You were even king before the world was here. You're forever. You're infinite. You're not constrained by, you know, a lot of people, they get so stuck. Where they, for example, they say, well, I mean, how am I going to make money right now? There's a pandemic. The market's doing this, da 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 da. You think Hashem can't make you a million pounds tonight if Hashem didn't want to? 
It's the easiest thing. So I said, if Hashem can take us out of Egypt and do the 10 plagues and sing the Red Sea, he can make you some money tonight, even in a pandemic. And by the way, guess what? People have made money in a pandemic. So if you want to be the one to do that, so just do these steps. Number one, say, pray for it. And then have belief it's going to happen and see it. Visualize it. Visualize it. And the Jewish people did that. That's what Hashem is telling Moshe Rabbeinu in this week's schedule. That's what it's all about. When Moshe went to Paro and said, and Pharaoh says, who sent you? And Moshe says, Yudke Vovke. Paro's like, one whoa, hold, hey, hold the papers. I haven't heard about that one. We know many gods in this. We are the country of gods. We do gods. We, what are some, a god that's beyond the natural, a god that's supernatural, a god that was always, that was there before the world and will always be an infinite god. We don't do that. I've never heard of Yudke Vovke, says Paro. And that's what the Jewish people said also when, when Moshe Rabbeinu, Said to Hashem, how do I let them know who you are? Hashem says, now is the time for you to Kevovke. You've got to explain to them that I'm capable of miracles, that, I've, that I'm infinite. And when they really appreciate that and believe, and they are Shivisi Hashem, then the Neti Tommy, then I can take them out. Because to take them out, it's going to require the supernatural. So if you want the supernatural, believe in the supernatural. I think one of the reasons people don't believe in Mashiach is they think all there is is this world. This is it. And we've been so stuck in it for 2,000 years. We say exiles almost become our default system. That's tragic. Tragic. The Rambam writes, we're meant to say every day. I believe every day. And even though she's my mayor, he's delayed because of us. In Kolzeh with all this, I wait for him. Every day, you should almost like be waiting at a train station, no? You should be waiting at Ben-Gurion. Where's Mashiach? Where's Mashiach? It's like the famous story of the Beis HaLevi, sorry, the Briskarov, you know, it was my rabbi, a very great rabbi called Rebrevda. Merited to be close to a tzaddik for a few years. And, and his teacher was called the Briskarov. So when the Briskarov was told to have the job in Brisk, he didn't want the job. He's like, forget about it. I just want to stay in my little room and, 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 and teach. I don't want like a public role. And they said, sorry, Rabbi, like we need you. And they outed him. They say, great, a public thing. The Rabbi is going to come. He's going he's gonna to have his first speech on Thursday evening in Brisk. They made a public announcement. They gave him the job without him agreeing. That's, you know, how the Jewish people work. So the Briskarov said, are you joking? That means thousands of people are going to be queuing up by the station to... to, to welcome me on Thursday afternoon. Okay, so reluctantly, you win. And he went and he got on the carriage and, and he got to the train station and he said in his first speech the following, he says, I had to come, thousands of people are waiting. And then the Briskarov said, now I realize why Mashiach's not here because thousands of people are waiting by Ben-Gurion saying, no, where are you? If we were waiting, he'd have to come. He'd have to come. And that's what we need to do. And we need to do it via this law of attraction that we don't want to have to settle don't settle for bad relationships. Don't settle for Egypt. Want the best. Hashem can give you the best, but we've got to believe in Yudke Vavke. If you really call Law of Attraction stories, you ready? Law of Attraction story number one. From a Talmud in the Darim, page 49b, of a great rabbi called Behuda Ba'iloi, and he was a great sage. But he was super poor, but he didn't mind. He was happy to be poor because he, he understood that actually if he would have money, he would take away his world to come and, and harm his mission. But at times people wanted to help him. They wanted to give him money. So famously once he's sitting there at his table 
learning with his tablecloth there and with a safe and someone comes in with a big wad of notes saying, Rabbi, you need to have some money for you and your family to sustain you. And the rabbi just looked at him and goes, you think I need money? Under this tablecloth, do you know, there's the same wad of notes that you've got in your hand. And the guy said, really? Show me. And rabbi Yudabeilai said, of course. He picked up his tablecloth and they were there, the Talmud says. So he magicked up that miracle. Why? Because he had 100% faith. Hashem wasn't going to embarrass him. And actually, growing mystics know it's quite easy to make money. The problem is, and this is Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai teaching, when his students started complaining that they were suffering financially, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai took them to a cave, the Talmud says, and said, cave, Hashem, fill it up with gold dinners. And it filled up with gold dinners. And then he turned to his students and said, wealth is easy, but just for you, for you, my dear holy students, if you take it, and you can if you want, but then it's going to be taken away from your reward in the world to come for you. And none of them took anything. So you see what's happening here. But the law of attraction means that the Rabbi Elona knew if he wanted notes under his tablecloth would be there and it appeared. Or another story for those who want a nice woman story. Right? For equality. Right? So in the Talmud Ta'anit 24b, Rabbi Hanina Bandosa had a wife, very only woman, like my wife. And she, they're also very, very poor. But she was, they were a bit embarrassed of their poverty. They didn't like a fuss. So they used to pretend they had more than they. So she used to kindle an empty oven to disguise the fact that she was too poor to break bread. So she had put on the ovens. So people knew when they come in there, oh, the oven's on. There's heat in their face. One day, a suspicious neighbor entered the house suddenly in order to see if there was really bread breaking in the oven. And when the neighbor saw the oven was full of bread, she said, quickly bring a stick to remove the bread for it's burning. Rebchelina's wife said, I was just bringing one. She had it with it because Rebchelina's wife, this great holy woman knew that kind of the secret was out. Someone had snooped and looking for the bread. So knew for sure Hashem was going to put bread in there. Hashem was going to put bread in there. And there's many stories of you know, we know the story of, of, of our matriarch, of all our, all our matriarch, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel and Leah. Are, there were just miracles in their tent. The challah that was baking in their tent and the cloud of glory over their tent and their Shabbos candles lasting all week. There was literally miracles galore city for them because they knew it and they believed in it and they knew it was going to happen. That's the way to do it. Like Rebbe Hanina Bendosa, the same family, his daughter, what a holy family, once she was trying to like, Shabbat candles, they didn't have oil. And she sent her daddy and said, how are we going to light Shabbos candles? And he says, come on. It's Elohim who does with the oil, but Yudke Vovke can do with anything. We've got some vinegar. Let's put the vinegar in. And she put vinegar in and it lit for the whole of Shabbat. And it said, those candles, they made Havdalah on the same candles. Meaning, you want to see miracles in your life? Believe in them. Know in them. Maybe a chazan, that's why it's called a chazan, the word chazan. He visualizes, he sees. So that's step number two. So again, just to repeat, we said step number one is to want to get out of Egypt, to want to get out of your own personal challenges. Step two is to believe you will and to see you will. So what else is there, might you ask? Here we go. Next step. Now it gets a bit Kabbalistic. Sorry, that was easy till now. Hashem sends 10 plagues. Why does Hashem send 10 plagues? Why the 10 plagues? 
This week's Pasha is all about the ten plagues, right? Va'ira, the first two letters, Vav and Aleph, is seven. Next week's Pasha, Bo, Bet and Aleph, stands for three. This week, there's seven plagues, and the next week, there's three plagues. I'm really not expecting coronavirus to do well for another couple of weeks, because this is the week of plagues. I'm convinced that coronavirus is, is kind of akin to one of Hashem's ten plagues. It's really interesting if you think which one. Let me know which one of the ten plagues you think coronavirus is. I've got my thoughts. But it's a tough time, and even we're now entering this beautiful month of Shvat, there will be a shift in energy and things will get better. But I have to say, and I looked, if you look at the, the letters of Hashem's name, this Yudke Vovke, that every month Hashem has a different computation of those letters. And the mystics explain the B'nai Saskar writes what they are. And tomorrow morning, for those who say Musaf, when you pray, you're meant to look at the letters of Hashem's name, how it is that month, right? So how it is... This month is a Vav and a He, but then a Yud and a He, which it means in Kabbalah, first half, you've got to put a lot of effort in. But then by the second half, by two Bishvat, by the 15th of Shvat, bang, crazy kindness and compassion and love and bounty. So basically hang in there for another two weeks, guys, which will be really interesting because by then we'll be out of Egypt already. It will, it will be this, the, the Sedra of, of Kriyas Yamsuf, who would already been physically out of Egypt and... And it's really important to understand when we're reading the story of the Jewish people in the Torah that relates and creates a parallel for, for the Jewish world and for the world in general. I'm sure what happened in the capital last week and the chaos going on in America is also connected to the words in the Torah at the moment. It's chaos and carnage and, and it's going to be unfortunately for you know, another three weeks till we really start getting out of Egypt. I really believe by two bishvat things are going to get a lot better, please God. A lot better for all of us. But what is the next step? So the step is the following. Hashem brings 10 plagues. The Ariza writes, why does Hashem do that? And he explains the following. If anyone's got the ability to, um, to connect to the 10 Sfirot, if you look at this, the pictures of the 10 Sfirot, where it should be Chochmah bin Adat, right? And then Chesed, Tiferet, like Chesed, Gvorah, Tiferet. Hod, Netzach, Yisod, Malchus. Maybe someone could show a picture if you just like look up. Maybe someone can send a link both on Instagram and on, and on Facebook so you can see what they are. And essentially when Hashem made the world, he made it via these 10 channels, these 10 pipelines. They're like a pipe system where Hashem's sending down the Chochmah, the wisdom and the inspiration and then the contemplation and then the harmony and love and kindness. And essentially the way we are in reality, is is a consequence of all the different energies coming through the spirit. When Hashem sends a positive energy, there's always something called a klipa. Hashem creates a shell. Hashem covers the positivity with a shell of negativity. That's the idea of a shell. Meaning, it's kind of yin and yang. You want to do great, but you've got to fight the bad. You've got the wicked witch of the West who you've got to fight. You've got your Yitzhahara, you've got to fight. You've got the plague, you've got to fight. You've got the opponent, you've got to fight. So in every country, there's different klipot, for example. But every, each of the 10 sirat have a different klipot. Says that Arizal, and this is just so deep and so profound, that the 10 plagues were meant to erase the 10 negative klipot to enable you, to enable the Jewish people to leave. Because if you want to leave Egypt, you've got to get rid of the clipots. You've got to get rid of the, the hurdles. What do we mean? 
So again, for those, nice to see you, Shana. If you just come in, we've said, if you want to get the law of attraction, if you to get out of Egypt, number one is you've got to want to go, not want to stay. Two, you've got to see it and believe it, which is, I would say, normally we say the phrase, seeing is believing. In Kabbalah, we say believing is seeing. You've got to believe it and then you'll see it. But then step three is, my dear friends, there's sometimes hurdles and impediments which is holding you back. So for example, the singles in there, the want to get out of the Egypt of a single lifestyle and you want to get married and get under the chuppah. You've got to ask yourself, what is holding you back? What are the klipot that you're holding on to? Is, what is it? Is it emotional worry? Is it, you know, you haven't cut the umbilical cords? Is it lack of commitment? Is it wanting too much tava, wanting too much lust? What is it? What do you need to move away from in order to be able to get out of Egypt? You've got to get rid of those triggers. Sometimes you've got people in the relationships, you've got friends, you've got all sorts who are holding you back. By the way, on Facebook, Ariella's just put in the, the spherot so you can click on that to see those 10 spherots and then just watch how amazing it works. And this is very counterintuitive and did research today. The reason writes that the way Hashem did it is the first plague, blood, was actually corresponding to the last of the Sfirot, Malchut. So if you got up in front of you now, the 10 Sfirot, see the last one, which is King David, Malchut, that's corresponding to blood. They say, why? You know, for, for Pharaoh, the Egypt, the, the, the Nile was his place where he used to go to the toilet because he was God, so God doesn't go to the toilet. So in there, the Nile was his place of proving that he's the king and proving he's God. So Hashem showed... You are nothing, Pharaoh. Nothing. Nada. And the Nile isn't a god. And you're not a god. And I can just take your water and turn it into blood just like that. And it was essentially a destruction of ego. It was a destruction of his lie. One of his legend he called himself. And that's, my dear friends, what we need to do. You've got to work out what is holding you back from leading Egypt. And you've got to smash it up. You've got to destroy it. You've got to out it. You've got to do work and, and it's normally about humility and, and letting go. And maybe there's some very toxic people in your life. You've got to say, sorry, mm -mm, you're holding me back. Got to go now. You know, maybe there's, there's toxic things you're eating or drinking or drugging and you've got to let them go. And you've got to get away, distance yourself from the klipot. So what the templates were, blood was the malchut, frogs was yesod, lice was dealing with the klipa of Hod. Wild animals was dealing with the klipa of Netzach. The epidemic was dealing with the klipa of Gvura. The, the boils was dealing with the klipa of Gvura and the heo was dealing with the klipa of Chesed. And that was the, the, the last seven. What's up, Leila? And what's really interesting is in the next week, that's why next week we go to the top three. Chachma bin Adat, the top three Sfirot, which is so high, so holy, almost disconnected from the lower seven, has a separate section in the Bible where Hashem needs to deal with that. So he deals with it in two parts. He first of all works on our lower self and then works on the higher self, which really answers a very deep question, which is intuitively, I would have thought that Hashem should have got rid of each of the klipot for the 10 plagues in the right order, which is really blood, should have dealt with Chachma. And it should have been that way, top down. But yet, mystically, he went from bottom up. He dealt with the last one first. 
And the Nesiva Sholem explains that what was happening is the following. First of all, Hashem is working lower than the ground. He's going to the bottom of the bottom first. He's going bottom up. He's going to the very bottom. And by the way, in Kabbalah and Sfirat, there's this combination of things go top to the bottom, but then bottom to the top. There's this constant synergy, funneling up and down, up and down, sometimes up and down, sometimes down and up. And that's what's happening. So Hashem's working, first of all, underground. The first three plagues of, of, of blood and, and frogs and lice were underground, dealing with all the underground garbage, getting rid of all the spiritual negativity underground. Then it was overground. The next four were the overground ones. And then finally, when we've dealt with the carnage and the spiritual, we've unleashed the, the shells of the, the clipot, of the, of the overground, then we can go above the sky. And then we get super holy. And then we deal with the last three, which is referring, according to Kabbalah, the three things of the mind, which is the highest three, which is the Chabad, and then the lave of the heart, which is those four in the middle, and then the nefesh, which is the animal instincts, which is down below. And what that means for you, my dear friends, is the following. For you to get out of Egypt, you've got to work on three specific areas. Area number one, the lusts, and the, 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 the things are ingrained to the physicality. The areas which is holding you back, your addictions, your ta'avot, <clears throat> anything to do with very much earthliness, needs to be got rid of first before you can get out of Egypt. So again, those of you who are single and want to get married, there's spiritual work that needs to go on. That's what I mean by the spiritual work. It's like you, you have like a root treatment. You've got to go and get the decay out. So you've got to get rid of the spiritual decay. That's what the template is doing. My dear friends, that's what the coronavirus is doing. That's what Hashem is doing with the coronavirus. He's trying to get rid of spiritual decay. We can ask if it's actually working soon, but that's the concept. So you've got to do your own Dentistry, you've got to get rid of your spiritual decay, first of all, in your earthiness, then in your heart. That would probably be your interactions with between people, how you are interacting with others, how you're interacting with yourself. The love for yourself, your self-esteem, your kindness, how you're interacting with others. And then finally, the mach, your emuna with Hashem, your connection to God and, and your ideologies and, and your dreams and your emunah. And those are the three areas we need to do spiritual work. And then once we've done that spiritual work, and by the way, if you can do the spiritual work without the plague, way better. It's so sad when people go through a crisis and that crisis wakes them up. Wouldn't it be better to be woken up before the crisis? And we can do that now. You know, this Torah should be waking us up and saying, why wait for the crisis? You know, those of us who have been lucky enough, like myself, to get COVID, but to be okay. Or for some people, not even to have any symptoms at all, or not to get COVID themselves at all, not to be touched by this pandemic. You can still have a wake-up call. You can still do the work of the plagues by doing some spiritual cleansing. And that spiritual cleansing is absolute prerequisite for getting out of Egypt, for getting to where you need to get to. And that is, my dear friend, step number three. So step number one was wanting to get out, not being stuck. Step number two was believing and seeing, seeing and believing, believing and seeing. Step number three was getting rid of the spiritual decay, which is what the plagues do. Again, I'm a bit apprehensive in coronavirus. Do you really think the world's changing? 
Are we really learning to live in the present and, and, and live in the now? Are we really learning to care about each other more? Are we really learning to believe in Hashem so much more and to, and to not to believe in the natural and to believe that, you know, you should know the Talmud writes that before Mashiach comes, there'll be a time when the finances of the world will go crazy. The, the climate of the world will go crazy. The illness, there'll be terrible illnesses. The politics of the world will go crazy. We're living in that time. We're living in that time, but we're not waking up. Oh my gosh, we're just like, okay, this is the new normal. And then you're getting, we're still stuck in Egypt, even though we should be waking the heck up and changing our lives dramatically. There should be this huge teshuva movement. Hashem, I want to do teshuva. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Are we really saying that? Is society really saying that? I'm not sure. If Shana's still there, she can tell us how this carnage going on in Washington, carnage in America. There's so much ego, so much conflict, so much anger. That's exactly what we need to withdraw from. That's what the epidemic should have got rid of. We should have cleansed from that, but it's just going on and going on and we're not learning the lessons and we do need to tragically start lessons, learn the lessons, I believe, super quickly. But that's step number three. And then finally, finally, step number four, the final step. And this is the final step. The final step, see if I can find it, is the following. One second. Page 182. So there's an amazing verse in this week's section. An amazing verse. It says that God says to... Um, Hashem says to, to um, Moshe, Tzaves B'nai Yisrael, command the Jewish people. Give them a command. Give them a command. Even they were still in Egypt, still slaves, give them the command. What was the command? The command was an amazing command. They had to learn, they had to learn about the laws of emancipating a slave. They had to learn the laws about how to free a slave. You want to become free? Let's you learn the laws, even though they were slaves and they weren't going to get the concept of slavery for another 50 years till they entered into Israel. But Hashem needed them to activate and learn the terror of what it means to emancipate a slave for them to become free, which is a really deep idea. And that's what Moshe did. He taught them the Torah about what it means to have an, a slave and, and to free a slave. What's going on here? First of all, you're meant to learn the spiritual DNA of the topic. If you want to get out of Egypt, you've got to know what that means spiritually. And more than that, you've got to jump in. This is what I believe. In a few weeks' time, we're going to learn that the famous story where the Jewish people are going to get to the Red Sea. We're now out of Egypt and we're by the Yamsuf and the Egyptians are right behind us and we can't swim. And we say, Hashem, we start crying. Hashem says, now is not the time for praying. Now, because that was step one. Now's the time for jumping in. And no one wanted to jump in, but finally Nachshon ben Aminadav jumped in. Step four is committing. It's jumping in. And when, my dear friends, you jump in and you commit to your new life and you commit to your new relationship and you commit to your new vision and you commit to your new way of life, then, bang, we're there. So what that means in practice, a few areas. Number one, The story of, uh, I'll give you an example, the story of uh, a young woman that went to the Lubavitcher Rebbe and said, Rabbi, I can have a blessing to, to get married. 
And the Rebbe said, do you have a Muna? Do you really have faith? And she goes, yeah, I have faith. And the Rebbe says, no, you don't. Mm -mm. You don't have faith step number four. Mm -mm. You're not having faith step number four. What's faith step number four? To commit. Are you willing to commit? And, and she goes, I wish, but there's no guy here. And the Rebbe said, no, no, you need to commit to yourself right now that it's going to happen. Book something for the wedding right now. Yalla, book something for the wedding. Don't the Rebbe said, yalla, but as if... Do something for the wedding. And, and, and the young one is like, oh my gosh, this is, this is scary. What do I do? And she opens her phone and she saw a friend of hers that was in a band that she always wanted that band to play at her wedding. So amazingly, she called up the guy who owns the band and says, hi, I'd like to book you for my wedding. I'd like to commit to book you for my wedding. He goes, muzzle top. Didn't realize it. She goes, I haven't got married yet. I don't know when. When's the date? No idea, but you're playing. A true story. This guy was booked in to play at her wedding. The Rebbe says, now I can give you a bracha. So think about the salvation that you're looking for. And now ask yourself, what does that mean that you have to commit? What are you willing to do to jump in? You know, let's do together. Because we said it's about law of attraction and Mashiach. So I believe one of the best ways to learn from Mashiach, if it meant that to become free, we had to learn the emancipation of slavery. So let's learn maybe together for a few minutes some of the laws of Mashiach. Together. I'm sure let's do it. Let's Hashem at the end of that. That's it. We'd have learned the laws. We'd have done step four as well. So, so you can look up some of the laws yourself in Maimonides. Again, if anyone wants to put a link on. If you go to Chabad.org and then you put in the Rambam, and then you put in the laws of Malachim. And then you put in chapter 11. You'll come to this. So then you can look inside textually with me. So I have the text over here. Dun, dun, dun. But if you want to see it, then check it out yourself. So here we go. This is what the Rambam writes. And then please God, through this learning it, through committing in step four, this is, can bring Mashiach. Says the Rambam, HaMelech HaMashiach, one day will come. And will return, Malchus David will, will go back and will build the base Hamikdash. And all the Jewish people will live there. So if you want to know what life's going to be like Mashiach comes, for those of you who aren't living in Israel, that's going to be a change. We're all going to be living in Israel. And what's so super cool is he quotes the verse from Deuteronomy where we're going to go from the four corners of the earth into Israel. If you want to know why the Aliyah movement is so Awesome and miraculous is because Mashiach's coming. This is a prerequisite. It had to happen. So cool. By the way, it didn't make sense. We were all in one place. We were all in Israel. That's when we got the Torah. And yet the Torah said we're going to be in the four corners of the earth, all coming into Israel. Guess what? That's literally what's happened. So the Aliyah movement is kind of the, the prelude to Mashiach. And then we're all there. And then essentially Mashiach, there'll be a king who will come from the tribe of Judah, who will be the king of Israel, and he will oversee the building of Mashiach, will be the project manager for the building of the base of Migdal, should I say. And then the Ramam writes, the Chayzrin Konamishpotim Biyomov. No one's put the link in yet, guys. Someone put a link in. And we'll go back to the laws of how it used to be in the Torah. We're going to go back to Torah law. Crazy. Makrivin and Kabanot. We're going to go back to sacrifices. We're going to be giving sacrifices, which is all about, again, kind of sacrificing our ego, sacrificing our animal side for Hashem. There's a very high spiritual thing. We'll go back to the concept of the laws of Shemitah. We'll go back to the Jubilee. And then says the Rambam, and this is so important for all of us. The Chol Mishaino by anyone who doesn't believe in it or isn't awaiting his coming, then he's not just denying 
the prophets. He's not just denying the Torah. He's not just denying Hashem. He's not just denying Moshe Rabbeinu. He's in, he's the ultimate kofair, the ultimate denial, which is scary. Maybe because some of you don't really think it's going to happen. According to the Rambam, that's not a good sign. And by the way, back to your own, getting out of your own Egypt or getting out of the pandemic. Therefore, same idea. We've got to see the salvation. You've got to know it's going to, you've got to be optimistic. It's so important to be optimistic. And, and I would say that's the realistic. And, and, and if, when your natural mode and your default setting is that of positivity and optimism, Hashem is like, oh, you've created a vessel. Now I can work within that vessel. And therefore, ultimately, in the macro perspective, Mashiach, we need to do that too. Okay, what else? Another, another cool halakha. Number, if you go to number three, and he says the following. The Rambam writes, it's a little bit controversial because some people disagree with him. There won't be crazy miracles when Mashiach comes. It's not going to be like we're going to go back to Moshe Rabbeinu's Ten Plagues, splitting of the Red Sea, crazy stuff going down. It's pretty going to be much chilled and serene. You know, this pen isn't going to start flying. We're not going to go into a total area of transcendence. However, however, there'll be peace. And this is the key thing. This is the key thing. Number one, he says, if you want to know who Mashiach will be, he'll thank you, Ariella. This is so you can see the, the Rambam there. She should put a link in. You're amazing. Hashem should bless you tremendously. So the Rambam writes that one of Mashiach's most important missions will be to spiritually inspire. See, it's all about spirituality. It's not about building. It doesn't have to be an architect and a builder. He's a spiritual builder. So he says, He's going to inspire the whole Jewish people. To get involved in oneness and in Torah. He's going to fight a war of Hashem. He's going to help the world see monotheism. The whole world will come together in peace, in unity, in monotheism. By the way, no one will be able to convert them. So if any of you want to convert, get on with it quick. Because you can't do conversion post-Mashiach. I always have it like a little riddle to my students and say, who are converting, say, do you want Mashiach to come? And they say, yeah, but I said, if he would come today, you can't convert anymore, so what do you want? And they get very stuck. And, and it's a really deep philosophical question, but I believe once someone's really begun the process and they're, they're really nearly there, then Mashiach's going to say, You've, you, you can be in. I believe they're going to be allowed in because they've done already the work, they've proven the work. The point will be when Mashiach comes and everyone can see the oneness of Hashem and everyone is so up for it, then it's too late. You can't convert, but it's okay because the whole world will be happy to, to be one. They'll all be one. We won't need, you don't need that everyone's keeping 613 in spots. Only the Jewish people keep the 613. The rest of the, the, the non-Jewish world keeps seven Elkhite laws and we all live happily ever after in unity. And by the way, the reason we know that Jesus isn't the Messiah is because there is war and there is conflict and there is illness. One of the prerequisites when Mashiach comes, there will be no more war, no more poverty, no more illness. There'll be no more illness. And critically, it says that the wolf will be lying down with the lamb, meaning even the animals, everyone will be friendly, cats and dogs in Tel Aviv will be getting on. Everybody will be getting on. Everybody will be getting on. There'll be total, beautiful peace. So we just now to, to start visualizing that kind of utopia. And the more we visualize that utopia, then I think we're creating the vessel for Mashiach to come. So that's in a nutshell. But please, in your own time, if you want to go through some of that um, Rambam yourself. So in short, then I'll finish off with a story in a second, but in short, we've summarized our four ways 
to use the law of attraction to get you out of your own personal Egypt and to bring Mashiach, number one, you've got to say, I don't want to be where I am anymore. I don't want to stay in Egypt. I don't want to stay in exile. I don't want to be in Galut anymore. By the way, the difference between Gola and Gula is just an Aleph. It's just an Aleph. You just got to bring the Aleph, which is the Emunah, which is why the, the Medrash says, Bischus Emunah, Nigalu of Isaysin, Bischus Emunah, Yiga Elavotein. It was Emunah, which got us out of Egypt, and it will be Emunah, it will be faith, which will get us out and bring Mashiach. Emunah is the key thing, and that's why, as we said this week, Hashem's saying, they want to get out, they've got to believe in the Yudke Vovke. So that's what we learned tonight. Then we learned you've also got to get rid of the klipot. You've got to get rid of the triggers. You've got to get rid of the barriers, which is preventing you from getting out. And then finally, four, jump in. Finally, jump in. Make a commitment. Like Nachshon jumped in the Red Sea, then the sea split. You've got to jump in. Like the, the girl bought the, the band. She committed to paying for the band. And then she got married soon afterwards. I forgot to tell you that. It worked. And Baruch Hashem. The band played at her wedding. I'll just finish off with one cool story and then I'll take questions. Cool story is, a king called two of his citizens together and said, I want you to build me the most beautiful castle. But, but Reuven, you're doing half of it and Shimon, you're doing the other half. You've got two months to work at it. I'm coming in two months to check it out. Get to work. Reuven's now, he's fully... Pumped up, he's putting all the effort in. He's building the most beautiful half a castle he can. Shimon's a little bit lazy, a bit chilled out, doesn't do much. Last few days, he's like, "Oh my gosh, the king's coming in a few days. What am I going to do?" And he's thinking, and he comes up with a genius idea. He creates a mirror, and he puts that mirror halfway in the middle of the castle. So everything the other guy's done, he's going to gain benefit from that as well. And then the day comes, and the king comes in. And the king's coming in, he looks on the left side and says, wow, beautiful, amazing. Looks on the right side, also sees beauty and amazing. Obviously, the king's not stupid, knows what the Shimon's done. So the question is, what does the king say to Shimon? That's kind of the deep Kabbalistic question. Some say he's furious with him and he says, get out. You're dead. Point, possibility number two, he says to Shimon, okay, I'll give you a reward. A mirror image of the rewards I'm giving to Reuven. So he sets up a, a gives him, gives Reuven a thousand gold coins and gives Shimon the mirror image of that. Or number C, says the Tzadikim, actually what the king says to Shimon, Shimon, you're a little bit cheeky, you're a little bit naughty, but I love you anyway, and at least you did try, and you were creative, so I'll give you a reward. And he comes and gives him a hug, and gives him a kiss, and says, well done. And I think that's what's gonna happen with us, my dear friends. So many of us, Hashem's given us a Yitzhahara, he's given us an evil inclination, he's put us in a world of lies, he's put, us, he's put us in Egypt, he's put us in a very tough, tough place with an inherent connection to earthliness. And we're not doing as we need to be doing, but you know what? As long as we do our best, as long as we put some effort in, as long as we try, as long as we even put up a mirror and do something for the king, the king is gonna reward us tremendously. And that's why just do what you can. And for those things that you do, Hashem will love you so much because Hashem knows how tough it is. We're in Egypt, for crying out loud, during a pandemic, but we're in a very material, earthly, world of lies zone. So anyone who, even you now listening to a rabbi on a Wednesday night when there's so much else to do, awesome!
you get tremendous reward, more reward than if it would be a thousand years ago or two thousand years ago, because it's never been harder. There's never been more distractions. So well on you, well done in the merit of this Torah tonight. Bez Hashem, a the pandemic should end. People should stop dying. Two, you should please God get out of your own personal Egypts and receive all the salvations you're looking in your life. And three, please God, immediately Mashiach should come and we should live happily ever after. So thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Any questions, anyone? Anyone got a question? Any questions? Let me know if you have a question. So Lachaim, everybody, I enjoyed um, spending time with you. Thank you so, so much for spending time with me. And uh, see you next week, my dear friends, hopefully in a rebuilt Jerusalem. Lots of love, everyone. And if anybody wants to ask me a personal question, you can message me anytime. I've got a few people... I've got a few slots left for um, coaching. If anybody wants me to help you get out of your own personal Egypt, we've really come up with a really cool, what I call J-coaching, connecting normal general life coaching with, with Kabbalah, and it's really awesome, and people's lives are hopefully are benefiting tremendously. I'm happy to help you as well, so get in touch with me if you want. Sorry, Gitzel, awesome to see you in the Holy Tzfas. Daven for us, we need your help. Daven for us. Okay, lots of love, everybody. Take care.